Welcome to episode 9 of the Ego Chow Podcast. I'm Preston Byers, and as always, I'm with Justin Binkowski. And today we're going to be talking about the Stage 2 Major and the boatload of roster mania that we were kind of bombarded with uh, yesterday and today. Uh, how are you doing, Mink? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm sad because the, <laughs> the gorillas, they they ruined my entire week. And fantasy we'll also, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there very shortly. Um, so we're, uh, the way we're going to do this, we're going to go through um, most of the major matches, uh, discuss them, give our thoughts, and then we're going to talk about roster mania and some big news regarding possible LAN events for the CDL in 2021. Hopefully. Maybe. Probably. Um, <laughs> so uh, the Stage 2 Major began on Wednesday, April 7th. Uh, $500,000 event. And uh, we started with the Paris Legion and the Los Angeles Thieves. Uh, the Thieves came in with a brand new roster. Uh, they were they put Kenny at main AR. They brought in Draza. Um, so this roster had never played uh, in a match before together. And they absolutely crushed the Legion uh, 3-0. And they advanced to the second round. Any, any thoughts on uh, how the Thieves looked with Kenny at main AR and Draza in the lineup? Yeah, I mean, that, that was obviously the biggest takeaway was that uh, they were able to perform with Kenny at the main AR role. Obviously, uh, we had kind of touched on it in our previous episode with, like, J-Cap talking about the whole, you know, like, roles aren't really a thing in COD anymore debate. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of your stance on that, um, it's still interesting to see Kenny in a quote-unquote main AR role when, you know, just a few years ago he was in that main sub with the PPSH in World War II. Um, regardless, though, he performed pretty well, obviously. Um, he had a 1.35 KD overall, 54 and 40. Uh, Draza actually had a 1.72 KD in his first series this year with 55 kills and 32 deaths. And most notably from this series, which obviously we will touch on a little bit later, but uh, Fire really struggled. And, you know, coming into this match... Um, the Thieves obviously had made that change with benching Slasher and bringing in Draza, and they didn't have a whole lot of practice with that new uh, four-man lineup. So me and you and probably plenty of other people were mostly expecting Paris to win. But mm-hmm. this is a pretty one-sided series, and uh, they, you know, they smoked them 6-0 on the search. It was raid search, and the control was 3-0-2 for the Thieves. So uh, it was pretty one-sided. And um, for a team, you know, last year, Paris didn't make any roster changes. And there were rumors that they potentially might not make roster changes this year as well. Um, This kind of last place finish against a team that, you know, wasn't really, you know, most well, I'm Mm -hmm. not going to say well-rounded, but just a team that didn't have a lot of practice coming into the major. uh, A loss like that may have been, you know, the final nail in the coffin that forced their hand and, you know, led to Paris deciding to make a change. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously I picked Paris because I said a few episodes ago I wouldn't pick Paris unless they were against uh, a top team, and I didn't consider the Thieves to be a top team coming into the event. Uh, how I was wrong, and I was wrong <laughs> in many, many more ways than just this one. Uh, but yeah, it did seem to be uh, the straw that broke the camel's back, as they say, uh, for fire and for them to make this change, um, which is kind of surprising considering... When we uh, we picked our players to get dropped first or benched first at the beginning of the season, I said fire 
because I honestly just couldn't think of anybody else, and I didn't think Paris would be very good. But, I mean, I honestly, after the first event, I didn't think he would get dropped at all. So for him to get dropped now, it's a pretty big surprise to me. Yeah, it's not even, he didn't even get benched. He just got straight up released, yeah. and you know we'll talk about that later. But I think that's the most surprising part of that change to me. Yeah, I don't know how that happens. Like, I, if they're like, I obviously wouldn't owe him any money because what would be the point of releasing him at that point? But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the contracts are like in the CDL where they can just release someone mid-season. Um, he obviously wasn't on a two-week contract or whatever. So yeah, uh, pretty interesting. Um, in the no. saddest match of the day. Uh, no, 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 no. no. You're not going to get away with it that easily. You know, you always get to introduce these matches. It's going to be my turn for this one in particular. So, the second match of the entire major, we have the Los Angeles Gorillas going up against the Florida Mutineers. Now, coming into this major last week, our very own Preston Byers made a very bold prediction and after the Los Angeles Gorillas were the first team to take down the Atlanta Fays in the 2021 CDL season uh, in group play, Preston decided to throw a curveball a little bit and predict the uh, Los Angeles Gorillas to place top three or third place in this major. And uh, yeah, so Preston, give us the recap here of this match and uh, what your thoughts on it are. Well, it was a hard-fought match and the Gorillas almost pulled it off. Um, but they they fell with... With the blaze of glory, uh, they go down 3-0 <laughs> to the Florida <laughs> Mutineers in the first round. I would say, in my defense, um, I was being hopeful. I thought maybe, just maybe, the boys could bring it through and win about five more matches than they actually did. Um, and and I also did say that they. Uh, they were either a kind of get top three or get first rounded kind of team. It just so happened that they got first rounded this time, but maybe next major they get top three. Who knows? I don't think that we'll see a roster change. So, you know, they're going to really remember this when they come back and win champs or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, for me, obviously, I also picked the girls to win this match. I did not pick them to come top three. I picked them to win their first two matches, though kind of along the same principle as you, that just they had looked like they had improved. They obviously had beaten FaZe and stage uh, two group play, and then I believe their last match was against that Thieves team when Kenny wasn't playing. Um, so they were kind of like, you know, on a short winning streak, especially compared to uh, their relative success throughout the rest of the season. And it looked like, you know, if you think about them beating FaZe, you would probably expect them to you know, if they play like that to continue that into the major, but that's just not what happened. So um, we'll also talk about that a little bit later. You said that you don't think they'll make a roster change. Um, I'm not sure I so. if I think they will or not, but it's definitely something they might have to consider, especially once we take a look, you know, they just got last place in the major. So uh, they didn't get any CDL points. So we'll take a look at the standings later, but um, they might be in that spot where it's either – make a change now or they kind of write it out and see how things go yeah i think the the real reason i picked them is i actually did believe they could beat florida and i thought that florida was way too inconsistent 
through stage one and stage two. Um, and I and LAG looked incredible at the end of stage two. To be the first team to beat FaZe and to beat FaZe and S&D like they did, they absolutely stomped them. Uh, I thought that's those are two maps. Like, that's two maps for LAG. And I think I was thinking, well, Florida hasn't looked great in hardpoint or control, so LAG has a good shot of winning either of those. It just didn't happen. They looked really, really bad. And this is this is what LAG has looked like. They, they had... Uh, a real low point against London early in stage two where they got absolutely wiped out. And then they completely turned it around seemingly and beat FaZe and finished with two wins. So, I, I mean, I don't even know what to say, but it really ruined my bracket. It really ruined my day. <laughs> uh, it, it just wasn't a good time. Um, let's talk about uh, Thursday matches. So uh, Paris and LAG go out on day one. And then you get some winner's bracket matches on day two to start off. Uh, the New York Subliners versus the Dallas Empire. Uh, this is, I think, the third time that these teams have played. They played uh, once in stage one group play, a reverse sweep for Dallas. And also in the losers finals of the stage one major, which I believe Dallas swept or 1-3-1 or something like that. Um, I, don't, I don't think that was a particularly close series. Um, but this one was definitely not close. Dallas wins 3-0. Uh, what do you think of this? I, I obviously had New York going to the grand finals, so I was pretty surprised by this. That was the other thing I was going to bring up is not only did you have <laughs> the Gorillas top three, but you also had New York top two. I mean, I had Minnesota coming in second, so we were both wrong, obviously. But, yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, I picked – in my bracket, I picked New York to win this 3-2. Mm -hmm. um, coming into the major, Dallas didn't look particularly strong in Search yep. and Destroy. And, you know, New York went 4-1 and one in their group, and their only loss was to FaZe. So, in a lot of people's minds, New York was a really strong team coming into the major, and they just didn't show up. When, it, you know, when the tournament started, uh, they ended up having an 0-6 map count at the tournament. And uh, notably, Dallas wins this first Search and Destroy 6-0. Mm -hmm. um, probably, you know, obviously with the guys on Dallas's lineup, you expect Dallas to be a better search team than what they were showing before this major. Um, but, you know, especially with the way New York had been playing compared to how Dallas had been playing recently, I don't think anybody would have been like, oh, yeah, Dallas is going to take, you know, the yeah. Search and Destroy here 6-0. So I thought that was interesting. Um but yeah, I you know obviously we both had picked New York, but I guess thinking about it now, um, that means Dallas is three and zero against New York on the season. Well, I knew uh, I wrote this and or I edited this in uh, an article today about New York. They were on a four match win streak coming into the major because they lost their first match yep. to Phase, and then they ran the table in uh, their group. And they finished in a tie for first and lost the tiebreaker to FaZe. They, they had, uh, them and FaZe were the only teams to finish with four wins in stage one group play, or stage two group play. So I thought, okay, New York is good. They, they lost to the best team in the league, and Dallas has looked really bad, particularly in search, but they haven't looked great in really any game mode. Uh, I just, I mean, I, I really believed in New York, and... So I would like to say that 
my second place team went 0 and 6 this event and my third place team went 0 and 3 this event i don't know what that <laughs> says about my prediction skills but i don't think it says anything flattering <laughs> yeah. so uh new york gets uh dropped down to the losers bracket with their loss to dallas and then in the uh, other winners uh round one match optic chicago versus toronto ultra uh, I believe we both picked Optic uh, to win in this match. Well, that didn't happen. Toronto upsets them 3-1. Um, I, I mean, what is happening at this point? I like our, I literally, to this point, had not gotten a single match correct uh, prediction-wise, so <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Um, what did you think of Toronto's upset over Optic? Yeah, I mean, we haven't even touched on it, really, but, you know, Toronto ends up taking this event. Oh yeah, that's a that's a side a sidebar for this. <laughs> I'm just saying, like we haven't even touched on it yet, but like you know, coming into this matchup, a lot of people probably were leaning towards Optic just because you know Toronto went two and three in stage two group play. Optic only went three and two, but they had that kind of like you know a little bit of a roller coaster where they had that you know terrible O2 week, yeah, and then they bounced back in the last week of stage two, and it looks like you know they're kind of figuring it out. Maybe that week before that was just a fluke or you know bad practice, whatever you want to chalk it up to. So a lot of people were you know most likely leaning towards Optic, and then this is our first real sign of seeing you know Toronto's potential as it turns out for them to. Uh, take the entire tournament with um, all of these maps being pretty close. Um, Optic takes the first hard point, checkmate 250 to 236, and then Toronto wins Moscow Search 6-5. Uh, they take raid control 3-1, and they take raid hard point 250 to 234. So it was a close series, but Toronto ended up getting the job done, and uh, Optic drops down to the loser bracket right away. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Toronto has has looked pretty good uh at this point they had looked pretty good with insight they hadn't looked incredible or anything but it definitely was not a move where people could point and say haha we told you so method shouldn't have got dropped blah 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 but they had looked decent but this was a big win um optic uh coming into stage stage two i thought optic was probably the third best team in the league um behind phase and dallas because I, I think I actually said fourth. I think I put them behind New York as well because of New York's um, New York's win over them in the major. Uh, but, I mean, to be top four, but then to lose to Toronto, who looked really bad in stage one, obviously made a roster change, and they hadn't looked incredible in stage two. Uh, just another shocking result at the major um, with this upset. Yep. Uh and then we drop down the loser's bracket, London versus the Thieves. Uh, LAT, they reverse sweep London. Um, they send them uh, out of the Stage 2 Major in top, to, what is that, top ten. 9, 10? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so what would you think of Thieves? Yeah, um, I think this is just kind of, I, I don't know. Um, this is just carrying on with the Thieves' unexpected run. Uh, talked about it a little earlier today already. Most people didn't really expect them to beat Paris on limited practice. And, you know, London's a relatively new team as well, but obviously they've at least played with this lineup in their stage uh, two group play matches. So mm -hmm. uh, even if they're a newer lineup, they still had more practice than 
uh, that they used, and it looked like early in this uh, early in this series that London was going to come away with it. Uh, it started out with an apocalypse hard point two fifty one sixty three for London, and then Miami search was six two London. So uh, not particularly close first two maps, but then uh, LA thieves flip a switch and pull off the reverse sweep to keep their run alive. In the next match, Florida versus Seattle, uh, and Seattle comes out and they beat Florida and they send them out in a tie for uh, ninth, tenth. So, uh, what did you think of Florida's um, early exit uh, from the stage two major? I mean, to be honest, with with both of our picks before this, we you know just based on who they were playing in that first round, we had expected. The gorillas to beat them mm-hmm. uh, before this and not even get to this match. So, although top ten is probably most likely disappointing to the organization uh, overall, they still ended up at least you know getting one win and getting some CDL points from this major. Um, I was looking at it after uh, when I was writing the article about Slack getting bench, which we'll obviously talk about later. Um, Florida came in last place in their group in both stage one and stage two, but in the stage one major, they obviously went on that little bit of a loser's bracket run and they got top eight, I believe. And then in this one major, they came in last place in the stage two group play, but they come, they didn't come in last place in the major and they uh, get top 10. So they're at least, you know, if they're coming in last place in group play, but not coming in last place in the tournament, it's at least a sign that, you know, maybe this lineup was better in tournament play and just didn't, you know, look at the group play matches as seriously. I, I don't know. That's just speculation. But um, that's just something interesting I thought about that they ended up coming in last place in both groups so far this year, but they didn't come in last place in the actual tournaments. Um, for this match in particular, um, I was actually thinking that Florida might have – uh, pulled off a win here just because I believe coming into um, this match or coming into the match previously with the Thieves um, no four seed from group play had won. We talked about it uh, mm-hmm. yeah. at the other the other major that that team that just started out in losers round two uh, but didn't play in the round before it both of them lost and then with the Thieves winning before it that the four seeds were 0-3 oh but Seattle ends up ending that streak and becoming that first four seed to actually clutch up and uh, move past loser round two in the major. Yeah. Uh, nothing really uh, too major that we have to go in-depth about for this one, I think. Um, if I look at the stats real quick, I'm pretty sure Gunless had a pretty good series. Yeah, Gunless had a 1.33 KD overall, um, but he was the only positive KD on Seattle. And then for Florida, Awakening dropped a 1.19, and he was the only positive KD on Florida. So uh, obviously stats don't mean everything, but that's a little bit interesting. Yeah, and uh, we would see Florida make a roster change uh, after the major. We'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, But we have the first uh, really big match um, of the, I guess the, it's like one of the first real exciting matches with, actual contenders involved in the major uh we had dallas versus minnesota we in uh this season we'd seen minnesota beat dallas both times uh both pretty big upsets uh considering dallas is the defending world champions and at both points minnesota had not looked incredible coming in to their match with dallas uh and dallas actually ends up winning uh this one three two 
what are your thoughts on Dallas actually um, breaking the losing streak against Minnesota? Yeah, I mean, that, the most shocking thing, obviously, was that it was just a role reversal where in this series, Minnesota took the hard points. Dallas took the S&Ds, which in this case, both went around 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in their previous matchups, Minnesota was, Dallas was taking the hard points, Minnesota was taking the searches, and that's how they won. So uh, Dallas kind of took uh, Minnesota's recipe for success and was able to use it to their advantage. Um, I thought that was a little interesting just because I had higher expectations for Minnesota based on how well they had looked with Standy. You know, they were technically undefeated coming into the major with Standy in the lineup. And uh, I was looking forward to seeing FaZe versus Minnesota at some point. At least I, I wanted to see how those two teams stacked up. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't get to see that. But um, it is interesting. I don't remember. I think maybe the Rocker tweeted something after one of their matches or something with accuracy. And uh, he kind of said, you know, in, in the major they improved their hard point. But when you improve one mode, another mode might lack. And that kind of looks like that is what happened. They, you know, improved their hard point and... Uh, their search might have took a little hit. So it will definitely be interesting. Um, obviously, I don't expect to see any more roster changes from Minnesota heading into Stage 3. So it will be interesting to see how they perform in Stage 3, if they're able to become a consistent team in all their game modes, how they'll stack up. We've already seen them play uh, Dallas and Optic now. So uh, I would like to see them play Phase in Stage 3 at some point. Um, and kind of give us a gauge of uh, where Minnesota sits in the uh, overall power rankings, I guess you'll say, for CDL. Yeah. Um, I mean, at least uh, Dallas, they, I don't know, like this major was up and down just like stage two was for them. There were like good parts, obviously, uh, but there were also really bad parts. And you're just like, we'll get, we'll get to it later, like the the more bad parts, but at this point, it looked like, okay, maybe Dallas has found something. Although they uh, lose the hard points, even then you're like, well, they could come back in the next series and they can win two hard points and, and win a series. Uh, so at this point, it's good. Um, you wanted me to bring up this clip of accuracy on uh, raid control, right? Uh, this isn't the accuracy clip, but oh, okay. this is just Minnesota and or Dallas in general. Um it's just a pretty crazy clip with uh, the rocker up to one here uh, in the control, and they get a 5-3 life advantage right now. And, um, yeah, as you'll see right now, uh, it's kind of cut off in the clip. But um, yeah. Minnesota somehow, Dallas picks up all the kills there, and yeah. it goes from a 3v5 to a 3v1. And Dallas gets into the hill there with point zero point one seconds remaining. So literally just slid in in time to, you know, save that round. They tie that up 2-2, force overtime, and they're able to take overtime. Um, and, you know, if they don't get that, if they don't get in the hill there and with the point one or point one seconds and, you know, time expires or whatever, they lose that map, they lose the falling hard point, they lose 3-1. Uh, totally changes the tournament around a little bit. So uh, that was kind of a wild play. Yeah. Uh, just, I mean, you have to go big sometimes. Uh, like when you're an evenly matched game or you're in an evenly, ma- evenly matched game, um, it, it takes those big plays uh, to really pull it off. We've seen it um, in, in multiple different matches uh, this season where 
Um, we'll see it in the Minnesota um, optic game a little bit later. Uh, but those big plays can be um, the the difference, and uh, it's it's worth it to have those big time players in those moments because they can really pull something off. Um, yeah. So uh, unless you have any other thoughts about uh, a Dallas and Minnesota, we can move on to uh, Atlanta versus Toronto, uh, part one. Uh, <laughs> Atlanta wins three one. Um, Toronto wins the search, which is. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, Atlanta is supposed to be one of the best search teams, uh, although Toronto did, uh, I think, bef uh, Toronto, before New York beat uh, FaZe in Stage 2, um, Toronto was the only team to beat FaZe in search. I think it was Raid in Stage 1. So uh, that's correct. So, uh, yeah, what do you think? Atlanta, Toronto. Yeah, I think, I think we don't have to talk about this one too much. Obviously, this kind of sets the stage for what happens later um but that was that was my main takeaway from the series was just you know uh atlanta wins 3-1 toronto wins the search but you know this is our first sign uh at the major in particular where it's kind of like you know is atlanta struggling in search um obviously mm -hmm. at that time it was only one series that atlanta played and you know they win the series 3-1 so they're not you know like going nuts over dropping one search but um looking at it in retrospect it's kind of like okay they, they started on one in search how does this progress throughout the rest of the major so uh, i just think that was uh something interesting to look at if we look at the stats real quick too uh a bz went 91 and 61 with a 1.49 kd overall and simp dropped a 1.30 so um yeah, it was a pretty impressive series from FaZe, especially when we see what happens later on in the tournament, too. Uh, the next match, uh, the next two matches on Friday were Optic versus Seattle and New York versus the LA Thieves. Uh, Optic won 3 1, uh, eliminating the Surge uh, from the Major, and the Thieves swept the Subliners and eliminated them uh, with a top eight placing. Uh, do you have any lasting thoughts? on Seattle and New York being eliminated here. Yeah, um I obviously I think a lot of people were surprised that Optic lost to Toronto in the first round of the winners bracket. So most people didn't expect them to be here. But based on them losing their first series, some people might have been, oh boy, you know, what's going on? Is Optic in another, you know, like little rut? Are they are they gonna get eliminated? We're just losing two series back to back. Um, but that's not what happens. They respond. Um, they're able to take down Seattle. They lose map one, but then they win the next three. So uh, nothing too crazy from that series in particular that really sticks out to me. But um, obviously the big one there, Subliners, LA Thieves. Uh, I did not expect the Thieves to take this match at all. Um, especially, you know, we've already touched on a couple times how good Subliners looked in Stage 2 group play. And Thieves coming in with that limited practice. Uh, you would have expected New York to probably take this, but uh, the Thieves took care of business. Their Cinderella run continues there, and uh, New York goes out of the event with an 06 map count, very surprisingly. Uh, we move on to Saturday. So we're, uh, we're getting down to uh, the final few teams in the major. Uh, the loser's bracket is progressing. We have Toronto versus LA Thieves and Minnesota versus Optic. Um, I mean, obviously we have to mention that the LA Thieves uh, 
they lose here. They get swept by Toronto. But overall, a very impressive showing by a roster that hadn't played a match before. Uh, what did you think of uh, Draza and uh, uh, Draza coming in and Kenny moving to main AR and the role swaps? What did you think of this uh, iteration of the Thieves? Uh, they definitely exceeded my expectations, obviously. Um, myself and a lot of other people didn't think they would make it past Paris. And uh, they ended up going on to win three series. Um, do I think this is the final... LA Thieves roster that we see uh, when Champs comes around, no. Um, but based on this performance, it might be the roster that we see at the start of Stage 3. Yeah. Uh, not really sure what to expect from them. They have shown, obviously, with them you know, moving on from Temp and benching Slasher, that they're willing to make changes. So we could very well see them make um, a change heading into Stage 3. But I think because they won these three matches at this major, they might be like, okay, maybe we have something here, and they might give uh, this, you know, specific four-man lineup a little bit of a leeway and give them more time to see what they're able to do. Um, so that's definitely one of my storylines heading into stage three, at least. Yeah, they, you know, they get swept here by Toronto, which in the grand scheme of things, probably, <laughs> you know, they get Not swept. Not a bad loss. Eliminated by the team that wins it all. So, yeah. Um, obviously... They exceeded people's expectations, but I'm extremely interested in seeing uh, either A, what these do with their roster heading into Stage 3, whether they change or not, and then B, if they don't change, how they perform in Stage 3. I think of uh, this iteration of the Thieves, I think of them as kind of like the Chicago Bears or something, where you have... Mitch Trubisky, obviously not there anymore, but when he was, they would win eight games or nine games, get to the playoffs, and like there's hope. There's hope that they could turn the corner and be this championship contender, but ultimately I think there is a, a ceiling here, and I, I think it might, I, in my personal opinion, I think this is a, like a, a honeymoon period where everything's going good, or going well, excuse me, and eventually that will end, and there will have to be another roster change. Be and I also think there's just so much time because there's about four months, uh, presumably, to champs because a champs is almost always in mid-August. It's April 14th now. We're going into the 14th. That's four months. You're telling me that Thieves, or really most of these teams, aren't going to make at least one, ro one more roster change between now and August. I, I don't see that happening, especially because the Thieves are not going to be content with getting top six or whatever at the major. Like, they're going to expect more. So if they get top six at the next major, there's going to be the expectation that people are actually, like, they're going to want to get top four, get to the finals, win a championship, because LA Thieves, that's their whole brand, is, like, we want to be cool, we want to be, uh, like, at the forefront of esports, but you can't be at the forefront if you're getting top six at events, in all honesty. Yeah, um, that's a good point. And then we obviously have Minnesota at Optic. Um, there's, uh, this is a really boring match. I don't think we really need to talk about it at all. I, I don't think anything <laughs> important happened. Um, obviously, we should talk about the ending of the match. Uh, so... Uh, Minnesota and Optic, um, they're kind of trading haymakers. Uh, they go to game five, and um, it comes down to uh, 
the Iceman himself, uh, Lamar Accuracy, Betty. And uh, he pulls off one of the craziest clutches to actually win a match uh, that I remember in COD history. Um, and especially since this is against Optic, it's an even bigger deal. Because if this happens against Paris, it's not that big a deal. No offense <laughs> to the Paris' is winning champs uh, crowd. But um, yeah, I'll try to bring it up real quick. Uh, just an incredible uh, clutch from accuracy. Uh, do you want to give any extra context to this before I jump into it? Uh, yeah, so, you know, Minnesota is able to take the first hard point, and then Optic responds by taking Express SMD 6-2. And we kind of already had touched on it with Minnesota, you know, earlier. It looked like they proved in hard point, but their search kind of took a hit uh, as a result. So um, that kind of reiterates that sentiment and then minnesota takes the control optic dominates game four uh moscow hard point 250 to 138 to force that uh game five on moscow search and optic went up 5-3 in this search and the rocker able to come back and string three rounds together now most notably before we start this clip here as you can kind of tell at the top there um optic does get the first two kills of round 11 so it's a 4v2 situation and uh you can play the clip if you want now but um accuracy starts it off by getting this kill on envoy to make it a 3v2 in favor of optic still while attach comes for the uh pinch here on eskies he gets taken out so it's a 1v3 situation with their tournament life on the line and then all three optic players just stack up perfectly or accuracy like you can't even draw that up even better so i think that was kind of like under understated in the fact that not only was it a 1v3 like you know like mm -hmm. just instantly but that was an ace in round 11 from a 4v2 situation like that like you said that that was just a wild play um i i would have to you know put some serious thought into actually thinking about how you know like ranking in terms of the greatest plays of all time so i don't really want to say anything in that regard but you know it's definitely one of the coolest plays that we've seen uh this year the for only sure. other one i can honestly think of off the top of my head is attach at oh, world war two stage two yeah. playoffs or stage one playoffs or something um yeah so that that's pretty much the only other one that comes to mind uh, if you don't include full sale as just like the overall moment and um and just being historic but that's what i mean yeah i would have to put some thought yeah. into it to see what else um I can but, think of. but regardless it's, it's, it's a huge play of, <laughs> like yeah it's one of the top plays of the season easily even if you know the season like you said we've got four more months of this um i think even in september and october we'll still be going back and thinking about this play in some form or the other uh yeah i call it i uh wrote the recap for that series and uh Accuracy didn't have like the best stats for the first four maps, but then uh, he it doesn't matter at the end of the day because he shows up. He dropped 13 in that game five, uh, gets the ace round 11, obviously, to win it. So um, kind of just proved, you know, whatever happens before, that doesn't really matter. You get the job done in that last final round. Uh, that's all that matters. And, uh, I mean, just after this game, the rocker social media manager, bless his heart, decides to make a meme and... Uh, it seems innocuous at the time, and it's a I, I don't I don't have the picture, but um, it's essentially a picture of the optic guys after the loss, uh, 
head and hands, really heartbroken that they just choked a 1v3 uh, or a 3v1 um, in round 11. Uh, and the rocker uh, tweet, uh, we are witnessing a breakdown or something like that. And social media just blows up. Like everybody decides, I'm going to have a take on what social media managers post now. And Skump comes in, says, this is some of the most disrespectful shit I've ever seen. And rocker players are saying this is BS, like this is the worst social media post ever. So uh, I know we have some social media friends. I just thought it was a really big moment, uh, Accuracy's Clutch. And then it was followed by an immediate shitstorm on Twitter about something completely unrelated. Like it didn't actually matter in the grand scheme of things. I thought it was just interesting that um, Twitter essentially blew up after this because of a, a tweet by the rocker. Uh, yeah, but that was definitely interesting. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was basically all of uh, Saturday night. The rest of Saturday night, um, and then the the final match of Saturday, uh, Atlanta Phase versus the Dallas Empire. Uh, I believe that this match uh, at the Stage One Major uh, was um, on Sunday. I think that was the schedule change. They pushed the winners' finals yes, to yes. Saturday evening instead of uh, Sunday afternoon. So Atlanta beats Dallas 3-1 here. They uh, secure another grand finals appearance, back-to-back -back grand finals appearances at the majors in, in the 2021 season. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Atlanta beating Dallas again? Kind of, you know, same thing we talked about just a little earlier with their first match against Toronto. You know, Atlanta wins those respawns, but they dropped that search. And uh, at this time, you know, Atlanta's played two series. They're 2-0. They're 6-0 in respawn, but they're 0-2 in search. And, yeah. you know, that that age-old saying that we always talk about search wins championships, That's that's got to be, you know, just like we said, I said a couple minutes ago, that's got to be in the back of the head now, especially looking back on things, is just like, you know, what's going on with Atlanta's search? Um, Dallas, in particular, had been struggling in search heading into the major, and they were able to beat Atlanta, which was considered one of, if not the best search teams in the game heading into the major. Um, so obviously heading into stage three search is probably going to be something that Atlanta will heavily be focusing on trying to improve. Yeah. But at uh, the end of the day, they still won the series. So, um, yeah. yeah. And like you said, back to back in finals, um, at this point, even though they've looked, uh, weakened a little bit or they didn't look as good, um, still, uh, they hadn't lost in at a major, so they had uh, won all their matches in Stage 1 Major, and then they come in, and uh, they beat the Ultra, they beat Dallas. Everything looks to be okay. Like, no team doesn't, uh, no team looks to be a major threat to them at this point. But then we go to Sunday, and <laughs> <laughs> Toronto beats up Minnesota uh, to uh, get to winner's uh, finals. Um, and then they also, Toronto also, uh, follows that up with a 3-1 win over Dallas to get to grand finals. So Toronto has uh, a lot of momentum. What are your thoughts on uh, Toronto's overall loser bracket run and these two matches in particular? Yeah, I mean, we, we don't have to spend too much time on these, I feel like, but um, it's, it's kind of interesting to think about, like you just said, with the schedule change. Uh, that might have played a factor here with Toronto getting to, they, they end up playing 16 maps on Sunday and they win 11 of them. So uh, obviously momentum 
played some role in this sense that Toronto was able to continue rattling off wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't seem like fatigue affected them, obviously, because they end up getting the dub in the end. But um, it was interesting, at least just looking at it uh, statistically, that Toronto dropped the first match against Minnesota, then they won three in a row, and then they go into the Dallas series and they drop first map against Dallas, but then they win the next three after that. So um, they were technically on a three-map winning streak heading into losers' finals and grand finals. But even in the grand finals, I guess spoiler alert a little bit, they lose first map to Atlanta. So technically they played three series on Sunday, right? So 16 maps, Mm -hmm. they played three series. And they were 0-3 in map ones. But that means they went 11-2 and and every other map aside from the first map they played in the series. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of impressive. Maybe that's a, maybe that plays a factor in veto. So they're getting maybe map one in all three of the series wasn't their pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously we don't know for sure. Um, but that's something that could make sense. But uh, yeah, that's my big takeaway from, you know, setting up for the grand finals at least is uh, Toronto got hot at the right time. Uh, definitely, definitely got hot. And this was a, a point of contention uh, around the stage one major where people found out that there was no advantage for the winner's bracket team. So in this case, FaZe came in, they were undefeated in the major, and they were essentially on level playing field with Toronto. And factoring in, and this is uh, where people um, begin to disagree usually, uh, Toronto uh, in some people's minds had an advantage. They played eight maps as kind of like a warm up for their match with FaZe, while FaZe obviously probably played a scrim or two before they got on to, to play Toronto, but um, they come in, uh, Toronto does, they they drop map one, like you said, to Atlanta. So they're down 0-1, then they go up 2-1 with uh, maps two and three, Atlanta comes back with two maps of their own, and then Toronto is like, all right, I think we're good. We're just gonna finish this out. <laughs> Six, seven, eight, Toronto wins the stage two major, uh, the second straight year that actually they've won a, a an event at, in the Call of Duty League season. They won, I think it was the Toronto home series, if they I'm not mistaken. Series, yeah. Yeah, the so, last home series, uh, MW. So uh, they they come back and they pull off a really big upset. Um, what, what are you thinking about Toronto now that they're stage two champions? I mean, certainly wasn't expected, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, I think looking at it overall, um, kind of talked about it earlier, just a little while ago with uh, Atlanta struggling in search. And, you know, a lot of people say search and destroy wins championships, right? And Toronto ends up going seven and one, I believe, in search at this major. And their only loss in search came in the grand finals against FaZe. Uh, it was on Moscow. I believe FaZe went up 4-0. Then Toronto went up 5-4. And in that 10th round, I, I know there was a 1v1 situation, so I, I believe it was when Toronto was up 5-4. I could be wrong on that part, but I know the 1v1 situation is Kleenex versus Arcities. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kleenex has, or Toronto has the bomb planted uh, on the Moscow bomb site by uh, Eskies there. And Kleenex has an artillery strike that he hasn't used yet. 
and there's like 30 seconds left or whatever, 27 seconds, I believe, something like that, and Kleenex pings the artillery so he knows where Arcides is, but he decides not to use the actual bombardment of the artillery. And after Arcides realizes that, he just hops on the bomb right away. And then for whatever, re for whatever reason, Kleenex doesn't call in the artillery again for like eight seconds, and by the time he actually calls in the bombardment, Arcides defuses the bomb. So not only do you know they effectively lose that round, they lose the streak too, and then Atlanta comes away with a round eleven victory. So uh, Toronto going seven and one, they really easily could have went eight and zero in search at this major, and their only loss was that round eleven with that one little mistake. Um, so that's the big takeaway for me uh, right now. You have to say Toronto is the best team in the game. And if they're really good at search, it's going to come down to uh, potentially what team is able to take searches away from them. Because uh, if we look at the grand finals, um, the maps, uh, Atlanta did win the first two hard points. They took Garrison hard point 250 to 198, mm -hmm. and then Apocalypse hard point 250 to 147. So they're not, you know, like super close, but they're not super blowouts. Um, and then even though Toronto wins those. Uh, the sixth and seventh map, we go to checkmate hardpoint on match point, and a lot of people, including myself, are kind of like, you know, okay, phases looked really good in hardpoint. Uh, this is going to that map nine. That's going to come down to another search. But Toronto was able to win the one hardpoint that mattered most to seal the deal. So um, obviously, going into stage three, all eyes are going to be on Toronto. People are going to try to, you know, take them down, mm -hmm. and it will be interesting to see how they perform and if they're able to continue performing well in search one, and then two, if they're able to, you know, find a recipe for success in hard point on a consistent basis against some of these top teams. Obviously, this is just looking at the one series against Phase where they go one and two in hard point, but they, you know, they won hard points to get to uh, their grand finals and eventually win it all. But we did kind of touch on it. They were losing that map one, at least uh, on Sunday. They lost all three map ones, so that's a hard point right there. Um, so that might be the area where people try to uh, attack Toronto and try to take advantage of uh, the respawns. I don't know if that's going to be what teams decide to do, but um, that's what I'm going to be looking forward to in Stage 3, seeing if they're able to continue playing uh, almost perfect in search and... Uh, how they're able to perform in those response too. Uh, I should note, and I don't know if this is actually brought up on the broadcast, uh, but essentially Toronto is a European team. They have all European players. They have a European head coach. Um, this is a, they're the only roster with an all European lineup, and that would make them the first European team to win an event since Splice in 2017. Um, if I'm not mistaken, because Red, uh, I looked up Red Reserve, they won Stage 2, uh, not Stage 2 playoffs, but they finished first in Stage 2 of the uh, 2018 CWL Pro League, and, but Splice uh, became the first um, European team to win like a major event that wasn't like EGL. Uh, in 2017. Yeah, it was the playoffs against yeah, stage one playoffs. LG and IWES, yeah. something like that. So it's um, been four or nearly four years, and this is a really unexpected team considering the expectations that they had coming into this stage. Yeah, I think, um, I'm not sure how much was said about it, but it is a weird situation because obviously they're a North American team mm -hmm. or franchise, 
with a European roster. So I think it just comes down to uh, how you want to word that narrative. But um, it's certainly the first all-European roster to win a CDL event. Yeah, you know, even when Toronto won last year, they had Methods and Classic on that team. Um, so that's obviously a pretty cool storyline, especially for European fans. And one thing I haven't said yet, or either of us haven't touched on, is that uh, Bance just absolutely went off in this grand final <laughs> series. Uh, had a 1.44 KD overall, and including um, in what was that? Was that was map seven, I believe? Express search and destroy. Toronto wins six zero, and Bance goes ten and zero in the search. Uh, Bance ends up being named the player of stage two, which is pretty cool because a lot of people were saying when Toronto was struggling that Bance, you know, after Insight comes in for methods and they aren't, you know, getting the results that some people were expecting. Uh, some people were saying that Bance should retire, and I believe um, he tweeted about it. Yeah, that's he, what I was just going to pull up. Yeah, so he, he tweeted uh, right after they won the major. He he, uh, he screenshotted a text he sent uh, to his fiance. The text said, I'm crap. I might as well retire, to be honest. And his message sa said, sent this to my fiance being deadly serious after starting stage 2 0-2 and receiving over f 500 tweets to bench myself. What a turnaround, and I cannot thank my team enough. It may not seem like much, but this win means a lot to me. So obviously that's a really great moment where a yeah. player, like, it, it's very rare that a player who is performing poorly and getting so much hate and, and so much, uh, like, vitriol from the COD community that they're able to turn it around and succeed and be able to kind of push that back into those haters faces and i mean bance is obviously a huge veteran i believe he was on that splice roster we were just talking about yep uh so i mean he is one of if not uh, i i don't want to say he's the greatest european player but he's definitely up there as far as accomplishments yeah, I'm going to double check real quick, but I'm pretty sure it was like him, Zero, Jerd, and Madcat. Yeah, sounds I'm right. Like I know Jerd and Zero were there, and I'm almost positive. Because it was basically the that Millennium roster uh, from Black Ops 3. Vance, Jerd, Madcat, Zero, yep. Yeah, so, I mean, look at look at where he is. Jerd is in Challengers, Madcat's retired. Zero hasn't been able to play all year because of Visa issues. But Bance, he's, he just won a, an event um uh, it's incredible and and he deserves a lot of credit for turning around and toronto and marky b and his and the team uh deserves credit for sticking with him and not just caving and saying well we're just gonna swap him out and bring in methods or or sign a challengers player they, they stuck with him and it's paying dividends right here yeah i think uh madcat is still playing in amateurs i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure he's at least playing this year but besides the point uh, definitely, especially with that tweet from Bance and, you know, the narrative behind that. It's a really cool story. And uh, congratulations to him and Toronto for able to being able to pull off this victory because it's a pretty cool story. On overall. that note, let's talk roster mania because Toronto didn't bench Bance, but teams did bench players. And uh, we actually have uh, several uh, points for roster mania. Um, Before we do roster mania, can we just show the standings real quick? Yep, give me a second. I will pull it up. I have the tweet here. Um, so, yeah, this is the uh, standings after stage two. Um, so, yeah, phase and first uh, with 225 despite losing uh, in, at the major. Um, and then down at, <laughs> at last place, you have London 
with uh, 30 points after a pretty poor poor performance. Um, any yeah. any thoughts on this uh, as we go into stage three? So we're basically halfway done with the the CDL regular season. So what are you thinking now that we're done with two stages? I I just wanted to leave this up here because I, I'm thinking that you know it kind of makes sense, especially with what um, we've seen so far in this early stage you know, pre-stage three roster mania so far. It's it's obviously been a couple days. But uh, looking at the teams that have already uh, made some changes, we see Florida in ninth place with only 60 points, Paris and tied for 10th with 50. And uh, that that's below the cutoff there for COD champs, which obviously the top eight teams make champs at the end of the season. So um, I, that was my main thought process here is that um, – we're seeing some of these teams that aren't, you know, where they want to be right now, being proactive and trying to make a change, which obviously uh, we saw at the end of stage one with methods getting benched and insight coming in, we were kind of like, you know, wow, ultra might be making a little bit of a preemptive change, especially, you know, methods had his one V four against Paris and, you know, it looked like at least he wasn't, you know, uh, a major issue for the team in some people's eyes, but it turns out that they bring in insight. And even though they go two and three in stage two group play, they're able to make their run at the major when it matters most. And they secured uh, 75 points for winning the major, which means they were at 50 before the event. And now they're in fifth place. So, um, and just also real quick, looking at the standings too, uh, the thieves are there in sixth with 110 if they weren't able to pick up these three wins at the major, they would be just above the gorillas barely. Um, so that's kind of, you know, those three wins at this tournament were pretty big for them. So uh, there have been, uh, so this is unconfirmed because uh, like we'll talk about um, New York is uh, reportedly going to make a roster change or looking to make a roster change. Uh, but as, as of now we have six teams that have announced a roster change of some sort. Um, seven, if you include New York. Uh, so Toronto, obviously, they bench methods. They bring in insight. Uh, the Thieves made ro multiple roster changes, but uh, this latest one, they benched Slasher. Then they've uh, they've traded or released, uh, probably traded, uh, Temp. Uh, and that brings up Paris, who obviously just acquired Temp um, to... So uh, there, there's been a lot of roster changes. Pretty much the bottom half of the league, almost every team there has made a roster change. Um, so it, it, it's really Except interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, Seattle hasn't and LAG haven't. Um, but we sure. we don't really know what's going to go on uh, the rest of this week. I, do, I don't see Seattle actually making a roster change. As surprising mm -hmm. as that sounds, uh, considering they're second to last and uh, or I guess they're third to last in a tie. Um, and they looked so bad in stage one, but I, I wouldn't see them making a roster change at this point. Uh, but do you want to get into the roster mania of? Uh, yeah, that's. I just wanted the standings up there, so we had some point so, reference. Um, at uh, I just took it off so I could see my notes. Um, so uh, we had some big points of roster mania today. Uh, I don't know if it's the biggest, uh, but Florida a team that has underperformed uh, according to expectations. They benched Slack, uh, Slacked, um, who 
uh, was kind of the new guy on the team coming into this season um, with Neptune. Uh, at the beginning of the season, I was it a consen- or was there a consensus that Slack was in fact going to start over Havoc uh, because I don't really remember anything before the season about these rosters, but uh, Slack comes in. He played on Seattle last year, obviously didn't have a good year um, as a team, and he signs with Florida, and they've looked decent at times. They've looked good, I guess. They uh, they choked away a win against New York at the Stage 1 major, but overall they've underperformed, and they decide to bench him. Uh, so what do you think of Florida making this change, and who do you think are some possible replacements? So before the season, when Florida first introduces its lineup, the lineup is Skies, Awakening, Slack, and Havoc. Mm-hmm. And then they bring in after they make that initial announcement, um, I think it was early January, or it's right before the, what was it called, the Kickoff Classic, I think? Yeah, the Kickoff called. Classic, the preseason. Uh, it was relative, whatever, it was relatively close to that, where they announced that they were going to, uh, or Crone actually uh, wrote the report that it, uh, they were considering benching Havoc for Neptune because they had signed Neptune as just a substitute player. And then they gave, obviously ended up giving Neptune the shot, and then they start the season with Neptune, Slack, Awakening, and Skies. Um, Slack was the one, similar to with Method, Slack announced this himself almost instantly after the major, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. It technically didn't even come from the organization. Um, But aside from that, I just think um, with this three-man core right now of Skies, Awakening, and Neptune, they, just, they don't have a leadership presence on that team. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what Slack provided. You know, He's not the guy who's going to drop huge numbers every single map, kind of like we've seen Big Wake do uh, Big often Wake. this year. <laughs> um, but that, that's just not what Slack's going to do. He's going to you know, be the fundamental player, provide he's going to do the right plays and kind of be that leadership figure, at least, especially considering, you know, how much experience he has compared to the other three guys on mm-hmm. this team. And now, uh, Crone is the one CDL Intel reporting uh, that potential replacements for Slack could be either Havoc, who was already signed to Florida as a substitute after being replaced by Neptune, uh, Yeez, who's a Challengers player, and then decimate who we saw, you know, on multiple pro teams before. Most recently, he was on the Gorillas last year in MW. Um, and we saw decimate play with Neptune and Challengers before Neptune got the call to Florida earlier this year. So, um, of those three, I think decimate makes the most sense to me, just because, like I said, he's played with Neptune, and you know, Desi's kind of like, you know. Uh, known for his S&D play, and that could maybe help the team out. But just all three of those names, to me, it just feels like none of them, unless Havoc is, like, completely changed as a player since he last, you know, was in the scene, uh, it doesn't feel like they really have that leadership presence. Mm -hmm. And I I don't really see. I mean, you can't count on Neptune to be a leader, just for example, because he's just coming into COD. Uh, it doesn't seem it doesn't seem to me like awakening uh is that type of player he seems like more of you know just do whatever you want on the map and hey, kill a star player um so is sky is gonna step up in that role if they pick up somebody like decimate or use or havoc I'm not sure um but I think that's my biggest concern at least with this benching of slack and 
and the benching of Slack and the three potential replacements that uh, have been reported so far, it seems like that leadership uh, quality could be missing from this team unless a change that um, unless somebody else is picked up. So just a little bit background on uh, Decimate. Uh, a lot of people know him, uh, but they might not have seen him this season because he hasn't been in the CDL. Uh, last year he played uh, for uh, the Gorillas. He came in in January, uh, or he came in on launch weekend, excuse me. Um, and then he he played uh, the rest of uh, the season with LAG. He did not get picked up by a pro team uh, to start the season, so he's been in challengers all season, um, and he's he's done decently well. Um, he was on Insight Drazen Twerks team. To, they won the first Open, uh, the Challengers Open. They also won the eighth cup, uh, the ninth cup. And then uh, he played with Sib, Draza, and Dave uh, Patty, and they won the the most recent Elite playoffs. So I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of talent on his teams, but uh, he seems to be having a lot of success. Uh, Yee's also teams with Decimate um, re recently uh, team with Decimate, but he was with Phantoms and Gendroid and Rex, and so. Uh, he's actually played with Havoc too, so there's a lot of Florida connections on this team. Like, if they end up going with Ease, Ease has a connection to Havoc. Uh, Decimate, obviously, like you just said, um, he has connection to pro players, and he's played with guys before, like Neptune. Um, so it, it's interesting. I, I don't really know uh, who. You know, I, I've I've stopped giving my definitive answers on roster changes because <laughs> I didn't think the Thieves were going to be good. And while I do think it is more of a honeymoon period, I don't know. It's just my opinion. I, I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I thought that um, the, the uh, what was it, the OGLA roster last season, I thought that was going to be an incredible roster at the beginning of the year with, like, J-Cap, Slasher, Kenny, <laughs> uh, TJ, Dashy. Dashy. I was like, oh, my God, this team is incredible. They have leadership. They have raw talent. They have slaying power. What could go wrong? Well, everything goes wrong eventually. Um, so I don't really know what the, the solution is for them because last season Florida was kind of up and down. Uh, I believe they won two events, uh, one with uh, Pharaoh. And um, so I believe the first with those mocks, and then they bring in Pharaoh. They win another event. So I, they I won three events last year. Well, yeah. So Oh, yeah, because they won one with Big Wake uh, in the yep. roster. So three different rosters uh, for Florida last season, three event wins. Who knows what's what's really good for them? Uh, and 4v4 is different. I don't know if that's playing a role, um, maybe not having uh, Pharaoh in the lineup. But I'm not really sure what, what the deal is. Uh, they just haven't looked consistent this season. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the other side of the argument, like I'm saying, uh, just or like I just said, I don't really think – any of the three players that are reportedly being considered for the position uh, bring, you know, extreme leadership capabilities mm -hmm. to this team. But, you know, uh, on the other side, we have seen teams kind of like FaZe last year where they didn't have that leadership. And I know that was in 5v5, but um, they didn't necessarily have that IGL type player and they still found success. So it, it's certainly possible if Florida goes with one of these three players, they plug them in. Um, all three of the players fit the need for the team, at least, because you have Skies and Awakening holding down those that AR and the flex roles, however you want to look at it. Um, so with Neptune on a sub, you need to bring in another sub player, regardless of who it is. So the, the, from a role standpoint, it makes sense. And, you know, um, if I'm picking 
from these three players just based on what we've seen. I think Destiny would be my pick just because I think he's a really great player. Like I kind of already said, he's a strong surge player, and uh, he could, you know, bring that just that jolt of life that Florida might need to turn things around. Um, but if they do end up going with Decimate, that's certainly one of the questions that uh, I'm going to be looking at is just to see how the team performs or if anybody steps up into that leadership role. Um, another uh, roster mania uh, point is uh, Paris. Uh, Paris deciding to completely release, not bench, but completely release fire. Uh, so he is a free agent. He's actually already on the challengers team because things work fast in challengers uh <laughs> and the the guy uh that um he's replacing on wester temp is now joining the paris legion uh he was previously benched uh on the los angeles thieves roster he started the season uh with them last season he played for new york uh what do you think of temp uh coming into paris do you think he can make uh the kind of impact that they need to you know, get in the top eight and hopefully get in the top six and beyond? Um, I think uh, before we get into that, I'm pretty sure Fire replacing Glow Frosty at least. from Yeah, uh, so the there's, there were two. Yeah, because, I mean, we'll talk about it with New York, but a lot of things are happening in, yeah. in the CDL that is affecting challengers, and then you have yep. uh, a lot of roster changes. So, um. To, to answer your question, I think, I, I mean, I obviously like this move. I've talked previously about I think Temp is a really good player. Um, you know, he might have had his struggles earlier this year on that Thieves roster, and it seemed like, uh, you know, when the Thieves started to struggle that he was going to be like that odd man out, right? It seemed like, you know, Kenny and Slasher kind of like uh, those franchise players at the time, and then, you know, it's kind of between TJ and Temp, and it looked like, you know, with past history that Kenny and uh, Slasher were going to try to play with TJ still. So that kind of left uh, Temp on the outside looking in from that kind of standpoint, similar to like, you know, like what we saw with Gunless last year on mm -hmm. uh, Chicago Huntsman, right? Like they weren't going to drop Scump or Formal. Uh, and or Envoy. They weren't going to drop Envoy in our city. So <laughs> Gunless was kind of just like that odd man out. Um, but regardless, uh, I think Temp is a strong player. I think um, the biggest problem with Paris is that it seemed like, at least recently, as recent as Stage 2, is that they were kind of going back and forth between Scraps and Fire on that flex role. And I think that Temp, although we've seen Temp play that flex role in the past or in previous games, um, it seems like, just based on some of the tweets we've seen, that they're going to put Scraps back on that flex or the second AR, and then the sub-duo is going to be Temp and Classic. So... Um, obviously, it's a little too early to say, you know, how they're going to perform or anything like that. But it's certainly interesting. I think Temp is a good sub player, and um, you know, Classic is kind of, you know, kind of like talking about with Slack. He's the guy who's going to make the fundamental plays, uh, do the dirty work, however you want to word it. So with Classic in front of Temp, that could be like a pacing thing that allows Temp to, you know, from a statistical standpoint, put up numbers that were more acclimated to seeing him produce in the past games. Uh, so that's certainly interesting, and it's worth noting also that we have seen Temp play with Classic and Aqua in the past. Um, he played with Classic on uh, Denial and Elevate in AW, and then he played with uh, him again on Envy in World War II, and then he played with Aqua 
in uh, World War II on Echo Fox after that MV team broke up, and then um, he played with Aqua on Splice in Black Ops 4. So he has some previous history with both of these teammates, so it's not like, you know, they're going in and chemistry is going to be an immediate issue. They have at least some, like, groundwork, and they have previous experience playing with each other. So I'm certainly excited to see uh, how this revamp Paris roster plays. I think, well, like I said, I think the biggest thing is, at least for now, it seems like they're going to go in with temp on the sub and scraps on the flex. And when they were using the QBZ, it looked like scraps was super comfortable in that AR role, at least in this game. Um, so maybe this will, you know, similar to bringing Standy into Minnesota and moving Priesta to that second AR, uh, we could see a similar effect from like a, a role standpoint where changing one player unlocks additional potential for the team overall, kind of like we saw with Minnesota. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if something similar happens with Paris in Stage 3. I think a new environment for Temp overall would be good. Uh, I remember him saying, uh, I think it was in a press conference during Stage 1 when he was on the Thieves, uh, he said that he really had to become adjusted to how the Thieves worked because Slasher is the leader and you have Kenny and TJ who have been with Slasher for you know basically an entire year plus uh so they know how he operates and slasher knows what he wants to do he's kind of like an aches personality where he knows what he wants he's going to make you do it and you have to abide by those rules um and temp said he had to basically check his ego because he he wasn't used to that new york was not like that so maybe he can thrive in a more like loose environment or like a um, in a, a, a different environment as a whole I know classic he's hailed as like one of the greatest teammates by many cod pros like everybody mm -hmm. loves uh, classic aqua has been a leader for many years I think aqua is a, a great player um, and obviously scraps I think scraps is super talented and, and and there have been times during the season where I thought Paris like man they're so close like they're so close to breaking out of like the the bottom half of like the teams that ha don't have a chance to really win champs uh they're, they've been close but they just haven't been able to get out of it maybe temp uh, adding temp it will will break them out of uh, the bottom four and into the top half of the cdl um but uh we'll see he, he's gonna have uh, an uphill battle because they're probably not gonna. They're not gonna have a good group because they're probably gonna be with like Phase or Optic or Dallas or New York or hopefully not like three of them because that would be like the worst case scenario to be with um, a bunch of the good teams and you, you just know you're gonna start in losers bracket uh, most likely. So uh, we'll see. Um, uh, I mean, it, it's uh, what were you saying? Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's hard either way. I mean, just last stage we saw. Uh, well, it was Group B with three teams go three and two, and the other three teams go two and three. Mm -hmm. So, like, the, the league's super competitive this year, and it's super close. So, regardless of what teams uh, Paris is in a group with, it's going to be an uphill battle for them. But if they're able to, you know, get to work right away and uh, figure stuff out, maybe they have, like, a little bit of a honeymoon phase, or they just, you know, maybe they mesh well right away and are able to go on the streak. Who knows? But um, it'll definitely be interesting either way to see how this lineup performs but um also real quick kind of like you said 
I uh, just wanted to bring up, it's interesting that uh, Paris straight up just released Fire and not even, like, kept him on the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, coming into the season, Fire was, you know, for a lack in a season where there weren't necessarily a ton of rookies at the start of the year, Fire was one of those, like, top Rookie of the Year candidates because it was, like, him, Diamond Con, and Neptune, right, coming right away as the rookies. So uh, a lot of people were picking between the three of them, and now he's not even, like, they didn't even keep him on the bench. He's just, like, straight up not in the CDL anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I don't really, I, I don't know. I don't know how in-depth that move goes or what's behind that decision-making. But um, just from a, for a sports comparison, like if you have a top prospect, especially in baseball, which has an intricate minor league system, like if you have a top prospect and you call him up to the big leagues and he doesn't perform right away, most teams aren't just releasing him. They're, yeah. you know, they're demoting him down to the minors, but they still have him on the team. That's not the case here with Paris. He's just straight up not on Paris. So like, you know, technically if Optic thinks, you know, just for example, if Optic thinks that they see a lot of potential in fire, they could sign him to a minimum contract and put him on the bench and just, you know, hold on to him in the sense of trying to develop. So um, that's also a point Tremor just brought up too. Did Paris have any bench players? From what we know, theory, their theory. coach is technically yeah. their, their substitute. So they, they're not even keeping fire as a substitute. So that's definitely just something that my, kind of raised my eyebrow with the whole situation that he wasn't even – he wasn't benched. He was just straight up dropped. My uh, my thinking or my theory is that Paris is – like it, it's a pandemic, so like businesses oh, yeah. need to operate like as, as much as you can cut, you cut. Um, for many of these, even though uh, pretty much like all all the CDL owners are either millionaires and billionaires, so I mean money is not as like uh, a fifty thousand dollar contract is not as like big as um, as say a small business, but I would say uh, it probably has something to do with money. Like to to be completely honest, like Paris in in COD, it's not like traditional sports where say in basketball because i think basketball is like the closest comparison to cod where like there is a lot of individual freedom and um you really one player can make the difference for a team so in basketball if you have a young prospect and he's not doing well i mean there is the g league but you could also just bench him and then he Mm -hmm. comes off the bench when you need him he plays a little bit at a time and he progressively hopefully improves and he also would increase his playing time with his progression in cod we we know it's not like that so when a guy goes on the bench it's typically for good like there are instances where a guy gets benched and they bring him back in another iteration of the roster but for the most part when a when a player is benched they're there for the rest of the season or until they're traded or released or something so as far as that i think it's more of a money situation for paris trying to cut costs not uh, having to pay fire for the next, you know, four or five, six months of the season. And uh, so that's my opinion. I, I don't know if that's true, but I would love a confirmation for uh, how and why they were able to uh, cut fire like that uh, halfway through the season. No, and that's it. If it's a business decision, that's obviously that's a good mm-hmm. point. Uh, or if it's a business or money thing, I, I totally understand, especially with the. Uh, pandemic and everything but if that was just you know uh when fire said he was actually released and not benched that yeah. just was you know it raised an eyebrow or raised my eyebrows and i was like whoa uh trim said uh utilize bench players better like traditional sports 
Um, I personally think so. I, I, I'm of the mind, like, I know there are older COD players that think, oh, you can't sub in guys for search only, but some players are just really bad in search. Like we saw it with Seattle last year. Yeah, I, I don't, it. I don't want to call Enable out, but Enable yeah. was known to be a relatively so poor search player, at least compared to his respawn play, because he was an entry guy. He was very important for his team's success in uh, in respawns, but when it came to search, he wasn't that good. And uh, I don't know if like his teams lost because of him, but I yeah. think having say. Teddy Rex, uh, the the Seattle like search and destroy coach advisor, whatever he is, uh, or having someone like Tupac or or someone that is well versed in search who can lay out game plans. Like this is their only job. Their only job is to win search. Like you create the game plans. You're basically a search and destroy coach. You're a player coach essentially. And I think having something like that would be would be fun. We did see. Um, Seattle do it last year where they actually brought in Pander for Enable. Uh, I believe it was against New York uh, during one of the events. And then obviously that just ended up with Enable getting benched uh, like completely. But um, there were a lot of roster changes there. But uh, they at least tried it. Yeah, that was the only, I think that's the only time uh, since the CDL started that that's actually been done where it hasn't been in like an emergency. It's been just like a, a strictly play uh, issue. So um, I, I personally think, what do you think? Uh, do you think uh, esports or COD esports should be using uh, substitute players? No, I, th I think that's something we can talk about much more in depth in another time, but it's certainly, you know, uh, on its basic level, I definitely would like to see that develop as, you know, time goes on in the CDL. We've kind of already talked about um, in previous episodes how, I, I think as the years go on, we get to a point where these organizations have like that minor league or those academy teams. And um, I think part of, you know, getting to that step is eventually getting to a point where maybe bench players are utilized mid-series more frequently. Um, do I think that's something that will happen this year or in the immediate future? No, but um, obviously we saw it minimally used last year, at least experimented with, didn't really go as planned for Seattle, but um, it was cool to see it at least attempted. So some teams might not, you know, necessarily be incentivized to try it out. Um, but it's definitely something down the road I think we might see more of. Uh, in the final piece of uh, roster mania that uh, dropped today, the New York subliners, um, according to uh, Crone, uh, he reported this on DottieSports.com, uh, he said the, the subliners are in discussions with Atlanta FaZe to acquire Sib, who is FaZe's only substitute, uh, substitute player. Uh, Sib has been uh, with FaZe essentially for the last, uh, for pretty much the entire first season uh, as a part of uh, the FaZe Academy. Yep. And uh, he's been their substitute this season. He's been playing in Challengers. Um, so Crone says he would replace Diamond Con in the subliner starting lineup, and that would also be in addition to, according to Crone, um, Hydra, uh, the French player who has been sidelined due to visa issues for most of the season. He would be replacing Mac. Uh, what are your thoughts on like huge, huge roster moves uh, if they go through for uh, for the New York subliners? Yeah, um, 
those are both two massive changes. Obviously, nothing is confirmed yet, and um, New York would have to actually, uh, most likely, they would have to buy out Sib from mm -hmm. Atlanta to get him. So, um, it, it seems like, obviously, if Crohn's reporting it, it seems like he believes it's going to happen, but, you know, things can change over the next few days. Um, so, it'll definitely be interesting to see if it comes to fruition, but I certainly hope it does, just because I've heard so many good things about Sib from a p gameplay standpoint. Um, you know, I, I've heard some stuff about, you know, outside of the game, just from like, you know, uh, a toxicity standpoint or whatever, like all, yeah. all that aside, just strictly in game, I've heard he's a really good player. So I would love to see him get a chance in the pro league. And then obviously uh, a ton of people have been waiting to see Hydra. He was supposed to be, like you said, he was supposed to be in New York's, uh, starting lineup at the start of the season, but visa issues kind of derailed that. So, um, if he comes into the lineup now, it'll be his long-awaited debut uh, in the pro league. And um, if this chain, if both of these changes are confirmed, New York's roster would be Clayster, Asim, uh, Hydra, and Sib. So it would be interesting. Obviously, they had just brought Diamond Con in when Zuma retired, and then Mac was that kind of like midseason change last year for New York. Uh, when New York was struggling, uh, um, he replaced zero, I believe. Um, and then New York kind of, they, they won a home series online. And, uh, you know, Mac was kind of that player to turn things around for them last year. And now just a year later, he could potentially be, be getting benched for another player looking to turn things around for New York, especially after an 06 performance in the stage two major. Um, so yeah, obviously we don't know if these are confirmed, but I'm really excited if this is finalized to see both Hydra and Sib in the Pro League. Um, the only other thing uh, that I'm going to bring up that I thought was at least uh, interesting was that Clayster tweeted um, something about... I hope he didn't delete it. Was it the, the thing about him being stressed out? Yeah. Yeah, so... After they got knocked out, uh, he basically said that he wanted a break. Um, it, that's, it wasn't, yeah, that's what I was looking for. Yeah, I didn't know what the exact wording was. He he didn't say um, he was like going to take a break, but he said that his mental health uh, had taken a hit. Um, I think he said it basically started after uh, getting dropped or you know um, you know being excluded from the Empire roster after champs. Uh, so. It's been an ongoing thing, and we're in a pandemic, so uh, a lot of people um, are struggling with mental health, uh, their own mental health, and and I, I want to say, as for Clayster, being a competitor and for competing as long as he has, and, and like this is a very high level, and there is a lot of uh, a lot of criticism that is thrown toward players. We saw it, uh, we see it a lot with Optic when Optic loses, both. Uh, people that don't like optic and people that are uh, like the core members of the green wall they like just spew hatred at these players like you suck like why are you so bad blah 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 like that takes a toll as much as people oh, yeah. will tell you to you know block it out don't listen to them at a certain point like you you just can't block out all the hate and 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 especially for Clayster, his team literally just got knocked out from a tournament. I'm sure there are unsavory things being sent to him 
by people that don't know him, don't know who uh, he is as a person. So, like, people are just saying reckless, stupid stuff um, and really hurtful stuff. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, that if that uh, took a toll on him. Yeah. Um, the only reason I was bringing that up, though, was I was thinking, obviously, before this report earlier today with with even Sib, I was thinking in the back of my head, maybe that could have been an avenue to get Hydra to at least just make a temporary debut if Clayster needed a brief break. Mm -hmm. uh, they could have gone with a uh, roster of Diamond Con, Mac, Hydra, and Esim. But obviously, it seems like they're going in a different direction. I just think, and I know uh, Zuma was talking about it on the flank earlier today, um, it really says a lot about um, the way Eason has performed this year and just him as a player overall, that uh, with New York considering, reportedly considering making two roster changes and with a franchise player like Clayster, that the one other player sticking with Clayster is Asim and not Mac or Diamond Con. I think that just speaks a lot for um, the type of player Asim is and how well he has performed so far this year. Because, um, you know, obviously we touched on it earlier uh, this season, actually. It was after uh, New York's very first match where they had lost. Um, was it, it was against the Thieves, right? They lost like 3-0, but all yeah. three maps were super close. Mm -hmm. um, we were just like, oh, is Hydra going to come in when he gets here? All that. And uh, I was kind of like, oh, maybe he'll re replace Mac just because Mac had this one bad series, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but we had also were like, from a role standpoint, if Hydra is supposed to be this aggressive sub player, he might come in and replace Asim just from a role standpoint. Um, but it seems like, obviously, based on the report, that Asim's going to stick around. And um, I, for one, think that's, you know, like I've already said, I think it speaks for uh, how well he's performed. And I, I personally think Asim is an underrated player just because a lot of people look at stats and don't look at, like, you know, his impact on the map. He's a super aggressive player. Uh, and you know, setting the stage for the other guys on his team. So I, I think it'll definitely be interesting if this roster, uh, if these roster changes are finalized. Or oh, wow, I can't talk right now. <laughs> if these roster changes are finalized, uh, I'll be super excited to watch this team perform in stage three. Yeah, I, I spoke with Asim and Clay. I mean, this was a few months ago now. I, I, I've lost track of all time, so I don't really know exactly <laughs> when this was. Uh, but when I talked with them, uh, they both seem to be enjoying playing with each other. That, like, Clay in particular, like, that Asim wasn't a rookie. Like, although Asim is relatively young, uh, I think the first, like, big year he had was with FaZe and Black Ops 4. But uh -huh. so it's only been a few years, but that few years of playing on some of the top teams, he was on Minnesota last year. So. I think he, I think Clayster appreciated the fact that it wasn't just another like rookie or like second year player that hadn't played at a, at a big land. There, there was some kind of um, veteran presence that that Asim brought to the team, and I and he's looked really good at some points, and then he's looked not as good at other points. But I think overall, if he fits the team, like what I, I spoke about Enable earlier, Enable from a statistical standpoint was like, people would be like, oh, that guy's not very good. Like, how, how do you, how do you not drop like a 1.0 like KD during an event? And it's like, well, that's not his role. Like, if you look at most players in the league, uh, like most role players, they're trying to do whatever's best for the team. And those kinds of players are invaluable. Um, so I think, 
Uh, I, I'm really happy for Asim. He seems like a really good guy. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I've already spoken about Clayster. I th- think he's uh, one of the greatest COD players of all time. He's one of my oh, yeah. favorite COD players of all time. Uh, so uh, he's going to have his work cut out for him to kind of bring in uh, two young, two more young guys and try to make them work into this lineup. But he's done it before done I, it. Yeah, for pretty much every lineup for the last like two years or so. Uh, that's what he does, and uh, and he's going to have another task if these roster changes actually happen. And, you know, real quick, too, um, like we are saying with Asim, I mean, you have him on your fantasy team. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's not like the, the stigma behind him being a player who might not necessarily drop the stats. Like, he, he's producing this year, mm-hmm. uh, you know, regardless. Like, you, even if some people think he might not be, like, a strong paper, uh, a strong player on paper, a strong a strong statistical player uh he's proving people wrong and he's putting up numbers this year so like um you know regardless of what's in the past i'm and we've we've already said it a couple times now i'm i'm happy for him Mm -hmm. well i just think uh people look at his stats when they lose because when you lose you're most likely unless you're just doing it all like octane or something last year where regardless of the result you're you're always going to play well um they see those those losses and they're like, well, he didn't have a good series. It's like, well, they lost. You know, the entire team didn't have a good series usually yeah. when you lose. Uh, so, I, I mean, I think Asim, he owns the plane on Checkmate. That's kind of like his thing. He is the pilot. So, uh, I, I think uh, this could be a really – it'll be the most interesting roster in Stage 3 if it happens just because, I mean, we've been waiting for Hydra for so long. Um, we've been We've been teased about it. Uh, he's he just got to America uh, about a month ago. He's been playing uh, for the Subliners Academy. Uh, Sib has uh, been a really good Challengers player all year. Uh, he was on uh, the best Challengers team uh, for most of last year, Phase Academy. Uh, so he he has so much potential. Hydra has so much potential, and seeing him with uh, seeing them with Clay and Asim would just be incredible, especially with how. Uh, poor the subliners looked at the major um, if there are uh, any questions we can uh, briefly take it um, <laughs> this went I mean we already knew this is gonna be a big show uh, because oh, yeah. the major had so much to talk about and uh, there's been quite a bit of roster mania um, before we take questions do you have a do you have any other roster changes that you think happen uh, think will happen or you think should happen um nothing uh, obviously i think we might hear more stuff obviously in the next couple of days but um the big ones for me um are going to be seeing if la thieves end up sticking with this current four heading into stage three or if they decide to make a change and then just looking at teams like london if they decide to make another change or not and then maybe uh the gorillas not really sure if they would make a change but uh, you know kind of like you were talking about looking at the, i don't think I don't think FaZe is making a change, or Dallas, or Optic, or Minnesota. Um, but, you know, technically, I guess that's eight other teams that could potentially <laughs> yeah. make changes. So um, it'll definitely be an interesting couple of days before we get to Stage 3 next week. Um, the other thing that we haven't even really touched on, but we can just talk about it real quick, is that all the teams were uh, teasing a return to LAN on Twitter today. Mm-hmm. Um my big takeaway from that, and we don't have to go too far into depth in, on this, 
Um, but I think that people have to temper their expectations. Mm -hmm. um, I agree. It seems like some people are thinking like, you know, these teams are saying, oh, we're going back to land. And some fans are like, oh, sick. Stage three next week is going to be on land. <laughs> yeah. No, I do not think that's the case. Obviously, no. I don't know. I haven't been told anything if that's the case or not. So I guess it could be potentially happening. But I think until we hear some official news from the CBL that fans need to like, you know, hold their horses and wait a little bit. Um, in my opinion, at least, I think that we see champs on land with no, with no fans in attendance. Mm -hmm. If we get that, I think that's a big W already for the CBL, just compared to like a whole season of online. Yeah. Whereas the biggest is that would be on land. Um, so I think that would be good. If we get any other events on land in addition to champs, I think that's a massive W for the league. Yeah. So I think that's just, you know, <laughs> with these announcements today, we just got to pump the brakes a little bit, sit back and think. Uh, I don't think we're going to see any group play played on land. That just doesn't seem like logical to me. Yeah, so, so many teams. I think... I think at earliest, we might see stage three major on LAN. I don't think that's going to happen, though. Um, so in my eyes, I think if we get champs on LAN, that's, a good, that's good in my book. Anything on top of that would be absolutely superb because obviously LAN's just better than online. I think there's I, – I mean, I don't know anything about it, like whether yeah. – uh... We have three stages left before champs. I think there's mm -hmm. a possibility that stage five, which begins uh, at the beginning of July, literally July 1st, I think there's a possibility that they could... Uh, I, I I would honestly want stage five to be on land, not only for sure. like the entertainment factor, but just like getting these uh, production teams back into like an actual like studio or uh, some kind of... I, I don't see fans being there, but I think the production team needs some practice of working a LAN event so yeah. when we get to the biggest event of the year, we're not running into as many technical, uh, technical difficulties um, and we can actually enjoy the event for what it is and not have to worry like, oh, like the stream is bugging again or like, you know, a bunch of these PS, uh, PS5 or PCs, I guess, a bunch of these <laughs> PCs don't work. So like... Um, I, no, that's a good point. I, I don't know uh, if, if that'll happen, but they would have uh, two and a half months essentially to prepare for stage five and then champs. I don't think the date has been announced, uh, but stage no. five major. Uh, let me look up real quick when the when the dates are uh, July 21st to the 25th. So I wouldn't be surprised if champs is um, about two weeks or three weeks after Early stage August, five major. Yeah, so uh, that's usually when it is. So that mm -hmm. would give them, uh, like I said earlier in the show, four months to get their crap together and figure it out, uh, figure the logistics out. Uh, hopefully more people would have uh, vaccines by then and and uh, COVID isn't as prevalent as a uh, of a thing as it is right now. But uh, anything can happen in four months, I guess. Oh, yeah. Um, do you think, uh, I, I just want to bring up this, uh, thing before we, uh, we head out. Um, uh, do you think that the, the teams like, uh, the, the power rankings, let's say would change, um, very much if we go to land, like what teams do you think would be good or, or bad, I guess? Um, because there's been some discussion about this today. Yeah. With, like 
Ake saying like some of these players like they've never been on land in this kind of setting. And that's the, the only thing. Uh, I'm not gonna like right now sit here and say like this team might be better than that team just based on that switch, but um, you know, in particular, I think that's a good example from the sense of like saying some of these young players who haven't played mm-hmm. um a serious match on land before they might be at a slight disadvantage compared to a team like let's just I'll just use Seattle for example just because they're they're low in the standings right now but they have a team full of four veterans who have all won championships on land right yeah um I might give Seattle an edge over a team that has you know more of these rookie players who don't have that experience on land um but that's you know a story for another time, I guess. It would have to come down to how the teams are performing online, heading into it, all that. Um, but I think we've seen, for the most part, I mean, we've talked about it before, like, Blast is really the only example that a lot of people mention of somebody who, like, was a really good player online and didn't necessarily have those same results on LAN. Um, other than that, like, a lot of people just say that like you know if you're good online you're you're most likely gonna succeed on land at least when we're talking about these top caliber players like guys like simp like i know mm-hmm. you know back in the day people were saying that like hook was an onliner when he first <laughs> but burst onto the scene then he goes yeah. to land he was still just absolutely destroying kids so like you know th- those are the examples i can think of off the top of my head united um, and aw or not aw yeah. uh, iw, IW they yeah. literally said that they were online warriors and then three of those players have won world championships so i don't think yeah. that's the case <laughs> yeah so that's what i mean and like it, it would obviously it would come on a case-by-case basis what the matchups are there would be a ton of factors uh to, to consider but um i definitely think that um some veterans in particular might have more an advantage than some rookies who don't have that same experience on land but I don't know if at the end of the day it's something that would necessarily just completely change the series around to the point where like a team I don't I don't even want to name names but like <laughs> if there was a team that goes like undefeated in stage 5 online and a team that goes 0 and 5 in stage 5 but they have four veterans am I going to pick that 0 and 5 team to beat the 5 and 0 team just because it's the veterans I don't think so yeah yeah, the optic is definitely gonna be that team. They're just gonna get double first rounded at the at the LAN event. I mean, I, I it would make, basically break the internet, but it, I don't think that's gonna happen. But um, it would be not hilarious, but it would be really interesting. And uh, there will be a team like there will be a team that underperforms at LAN because that's that that's just like that's every event where they underperform. So. Uh, whatever that team is, uh, bless their mentions because it is absolutely going to be horrific when they lose in at LAN and are really good online. So, oh yeah, um, so that'll that'll be interesting. Um, I don't think there's anything else that uh, we need to talk about. We've done a nearly two-hour show now, um, one forty-nine uh, with the the pre-show. So uh, let's sign off um, next week yeah. on the Ego Chow Podcast, episode ten. We've actually we're gonna make it ten episodes. Uh, where we'll discuss what uh, whatever roster moves actually happen. We'll see if New York um, decides to pull the trigger and make some roster moves. See who Florida picks up, uh, and we'll also be previewing stage three uh, group play. We'll, we'll actually know the groups and uh, we'll see what happens in in week one. Yep. 
Uh, I guess Tremor's saying, wow, no questions. So if you have a question, Tremor, you can answer real quick, but other than that, we're going to sign off. Yeah, it is It is one fifteen real time, uh, the realest time you can ever have. So, yeah. Trem, you better <laughs> hurry up with your questions. Current MVP, Simp, Abizi, <laughs> um, or or our boy uh, from the Dallas Empire. I don't know. Uh, what do you think? Who's the MVP? I I mean, a lot of people have been saying Abizi recently. Just like, yeah, I forget who tweeted it, but they said that Abizi is the best and uh, I, player. They were talking and... about on the flank too, and they were saying Abizi. Um, I mean, I have him on my fantasy team, and he's a stud. So I I'll say Abizi just to give a brief answer. But, I mean, obviously the current MVP technically is Bance because he is the player of the stage, too. So yeah, um, that, that's a quick way to get around Trem's question. But if, if I had to pick an end-of-season MVP right now just based on the two stages overall, I guess I would probably say Semper Abusey. Who's your Nickelodeon VP? Um, who who wins <laughs> just based Trinsky. on meme? Yeah, who, who's the meme uh, pick for this? Ah, oh, man. Put me on the spot. Is it the is one. it the Minnesota Rocker social media manager? You can say that if you want. <laughs> uh, it's actually Tremor. The Goach is going to come in and be uh, the Nickelodeon VP. Um, I I don't know. Like I I think Simp has to be up there because I think he's one of the best players on the best team overall. They have the best record um, as a whole and. It, it, it's it's completely irrelevant at this point because by the time champs comes around, you have to win the event to even be considered an uh, an MVP. I think that's actually or not the season MVP, but the champs MVP, and uh, you have to be on a really good team to get the season MVP because they they're not going to give it to Big Wake if they're ninth in the standings despite him dropping a two KD like every map. <laughs> Like it's just not gonna happen. It's like a Russell Westbrook situation. Like you're on a you're on a crappy team, you're not gonna get it. Um, so it's probably gonna be Simp, Abizi, uh, somebody from Optic, probably Envoy. Like those are the guys that are gonna compete. And and then you obviously have like Shotzi and Illy and, and the and those guys. Maybe Hook. He's he's kind of fallen down in the people's MVP rankings uh, because his team is not performing as well. So. Um, yeah, the tissue is an issue. He's going to be also an MVP. Um, Cammy, uh, after sensitivity training, he's going to also get the MVP. So uh, who knows? Who knows what's going to actually happen? Um, we have four months. Four months. So yeah, uh, anything can happen in four months. Um, yep. So uh, let's let's sign off. Uh, subscribe. Yep. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, a bunch of other platforms. Uh, make sure to give us a five star rating on Apple. It really helps us. Um, this episode uh, will be out uh, within the next eight hours. So uh, sometime early in the morning of April 14th, we'll be back, I think, on Tuesday. So that'll be what, April 20th. Uh, we'll do a show next Tuesday, April 20th, and we'll talk about stage three and some uh, probably more roster mania. So sign it off, Pink. Yep. Thanks for tuning in, guys, as always. Um, yep. Just remember, send the chow. <laughs>